welcome to the gray area and stay away just in case you ain't real enough to relate every other thursday politics to the chips get up on this wave <laughs> now tell me what's to talk about because we the only thing to talk about how you keep reality in check just keep it real rap and don't gossip with the facts yeah this is the gray area and i am your host ray jarvis showtime I'm annoyed, y'all. I had to let the beat breathe because I am very annoyed right now. Once again, I had a whole plan for this episode and the events in the sports world forced me to vent between the on-field action and some of these knowledgeable, air quotes, sports fans on these message boards, on social media, on video, y'all make me sick, all right? Y'all see I got the Snoop play when I'm real salty, I pick certain beats to match my mood, and yeah, murder. (laughs) Listen, y'all, the L.A. Braun experience has gotten off to a slightly shaky start. Facts. You know, a lot of people are trying to be objective. A lot of people are being emotional. But you know what I'm here to do, y'all? I'm here to overreact. Facts. Now, normally I'm the level head. You know, I pick a side. You know, I tell the truth. I'm in the gray area. Yeah, but I'm a Laker fan. You know, I get really angry about things. You know, we lost some close games. These are to be expected, you know? But I got to tell you, that whole situation against the Rockets, they scrapping on the court, they getting it on. As the kids say, they getting it shaking. And I see LeBron James, Teflon Braun, holding CP3. Come on, son. You wear yellow, fam. You had an option in the summer. To wear that red Rockets jersey, to join CP, to join James Harden. But you chose the Lakers. Apparently, the Lakers was a choice about two years ago. So when this situation pops off, you got Brandon Ingram wilding for respect. Lance Stevenson, of all people, had to hold Brandon Ingram back. I know this has been talked about ad nauseum, but think about this for a second. Lance Stevenson held Brandon Ingram back in every realm of whatever realm that you are on. What part of the game is that? Chris Paul, and we're going to get into him in a second. I got time tonight. Flexes in front of Rajon Rondo, like literally folded his arms like, what's up, fam? Knowing damn well Rondo is a borderline psychopath. It's documented. He's crazy. When he was a young pup, he tried to get crazy with Kobe. Had to get held back by Ray Allen. 
LeBron, Melo, CP, three-fourths of the Banana Boat crew that y'all love to overrate, standing there, and they let that ride. Facts. Now, a part of me is like, you know what? I'm hearing y'all. I'm hearing y'all. CP and LeBron, the best friends. They godfather to their kids. Uh, 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 I hear you. But you don't think for a single solitary second that three-fourths of the Banana Boat crew don't know how CP3 feels about Rondo? You don't think a part of them let that ride because they know the smoke is there? Uniform or no uniform? In this day and age, we see in Brandon Ingram, when, when, they, when they went down with Rondo, he didn't even hesitate. He just started playing with Rondo a few weeks ago. No hesitation. He tried to punch a hole in CP3's face. He tried to break that man's face with a haymaker. Thank God he missed that punch. He'd even sit in for 25 games maybe. But the fact remains, Rondo wore yellow. Ingram wore yellow. No hesitation. All that friend-friend stuff, put that to the side. I'm not saying LeBron had to really fight his best friend. Hell nah. But defuse the situation, leader. No. When he was mic'd up, Hollywood Braun, on the first game, oh, when you on the ground, you don't get up until your brother picks you up. When your brother was getting flexed on by your real-life best friend, you let that ride. What brother lets his brother get flexed on by the opponents? Please let me know that. I'm trying to figure I've been trying to figure this out for the longest. I'm salty behind it because I'm hearing y'all and I'm reading y'all trying to rationalize this like y'all in the circle, like y'all in the banana boat crew, like y'all got all the answers. And I know LeBron already established a template of brotherhood. B.I. B.I. Brotherhood said Rondo getting in. I'm going there. LeBron somehow walks away with his arm around CP. You know, the kids have a word. I'm in the booth here with the homie True. He probably heard this word himself. It's called ops. I'm calling LeBron an op right now. I'm pretty sure the kids in the locker room are calling LeBron an op too. La-op James. Why? Because you are the leader of the team. When CP flexed on Rondo, you should have grabbed number nine in yellow and got him out of there. We already have Biao with a tech. Do remember that he pushed Harden out the way to get to the ref. He was ready to get it cracking with the ref. Where you at, Bron? Harden ran away wanting no smoke, having flashes, an Artest elbow in the side of his head. He didn't want no parts of that. That's fine, right? But your brother got herbed or was about to get herbed by CP. Hand down, man down. Kuf Kaf in his face. Everybody talking about CP caught the uppercut. But let's not forget that every punch Paul landed was when Rondo was getting pulled back by the referee. Facts. All this flexing CP was doing, and he forgot the keynote lesson that you learned as a seven-year-old in grade school. Protect yourself at all times. You can't flex on a crazy person, regardless of what he did to you, and you put your whole index finger in his nostril. What you thought was going to happen, huh? The banana boat can't save you on the court. Well, let's get back to La Op James. 
You went away with the dude who fought your teammate. B.I. wilding for the whole Laker team. Lance and, 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 and Zoe still trying to hold Ingram back. Melo trying to fight Ingram, and you walking around with Chris Paul? Op? I got a problem with that. And then in the media, post-game interview, oh, yeah, we didn't talk too much about that. Let's say hypothetically he told the truth, and they didn't talk much about that, right? Of course they're not going to talk about it because the leader of the team, Big Homie, imagine you in the gang, and Big Homie going to put his arm around a dude that you got smoke with. You the op now. That's it. LeBron, yo, I said it on another podcast, and they told me to chill. I'm not chilling. LeBron is an op until further notice, and I'm going to push the op agenda even more. Why? Because after he bricked two free throws in crunch time, before that, he took an ill-advised three-pointer in overtime, and we lost the game, and then he took a funny fadeaway in an ISO situation. Granted, that's his money shot, but you was getting to the rim all game, Braun. Once again, I talked about it in the finals when he passed to George Hill. In crunch time, you do the most questionable things. You taking a slow motion step back. Why don't you have a dribble pull-up? But that's besides the point. I got so much time for y'all tonight. I could just go on for, for hours about how salty I am. I'm salty, y'all. But listen, in the post game, right? After he bricked the two free throws, let's get back on message. He says, you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I knew what I signed up for. So what you saying to me, LeBron, La-Op, you signed up for losing? So you came to play with these young guys who are trying to develop in the winners to lose? So bad enough you ain't pop off or at least defuse the situation previously. Now you're saying you knew what you signed up for as if these guys are not good enough to win with right now. I'm trying to tell you, if I was a young guy in the locker room, I would feel some type of way about LeBron James right now. Facts. And then let's talk about what uh, exchange I had on social media. Because, you know, I tell y'all the truth. I love y'all. This is the gray area where the truth lies. I said, you know what? There's already a brotherhood established in the Lakers locker room. A so-called Laker fan disputed this with me. Oh, what brotherhood? They only played together for a year. Lonzo, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. That is the core of the Lakers movement. I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting somebody. But that's generally the core of what the Lakers are trying to do going forward these guys are on social media they clown each other they play video games they are always they go to the movies together they are always even in the off season these guys find a way to gravitate towards one another you even see it with situations like former lakers like julius randall jordan clarkson larry nance these guys are still in communication with each other there's a vibe there you know what most men will tell you we're simple creatures. It don't take much for us to have a new homeboy that we can rock out with, especially if you see them every day. You know what? And, and we, we think the same. We move the same. There's a bond there. This Laker fan talking about what bond. Mind you, y'all, this guy has a whole show. Video, not even like a podcast audio like I'm giving y'all. Video, y'all about the Lakers. 
He has jerseys on the table. He got a little desk with two Kobe jerseys, one yellow, one purple. Supposedly, he's following the team. How does he not know that they have a brotherhood here? Come on now. Like, how are you arguing with a guy who follows a team, follows them on social media? I follow beat writers. I follow local L.A. sports to really know what's going on with this team. And you do a whole Laker-centric show and you don't know that? You want to argue with me? Come on, son. Get out of here. Like, this is what I'm trying to tell y'all. Between LeBron being an op, Laker fans trying to qualify and quantify what's going on in the locker room and talking about there's no brotherhood. These young guys relate to each other. They're not billion. They're not trying to be a billionaire like LeBron. These guys are all rookie deals trying to make it in the league. Of course, there's a bond there. Of course, regardless of how they feel, of course, they trust me. There was some side eyeing going on. I'm willing to bet anything. Let's put it in a workplace setting. If my supervisor don't defend me when I'm 100% right, I'm going to side-eye him. You don't think these young boys are side-eyeing essentially who their supervisor is in LeBron James? You don't think Rondo knows what it is when it comes to what took place in that scenario with Chris Paul? Y'all think it's so surface level that you're not thinking the big picture. It's it's a little ridiculous here. I got to tell you. This, this, this This is interesting to me. And now let's get to the Chris Paul of it all. A lot of people love Chris Paul. You know, I hear y'all. <laughs> you know, I see what you're saying. But I think, you know, I, I, I'm tired of being alone in this whole thing about the reality of Chris Paul. This guy has been getting praised since he was at Wake Forest. This winning point guard. This guy who does so much for his team. But you know what, listeners? Can you tell me what Chris Paul has won in his entire career? Dating back to college? Yeah, you guessed it. Zero. Chris Paul has no championships. Not even an NCAA championship. But he's the greatest point guard of his generation, according to Stephen A. and his hairline greatest point guard of his generation how he doesn't even have an MVP but he's above Steve Nash two-time MVP he's above Chef Curry three-time world champ two-time MVP one-time unanimous you think about it for a second because it's like you got a lot of guys including guys like Just Blaze of Above the Rim who go hard for Chris Paul I'm not throwing subs I'm talking to people who who I'm communicating with here How many people have passed Chris Paul on the totem pole? During Chris Paul's career, Steve Nash ran past him one MVPs. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Chef Curry, all of these guys (laughs) have won MVPs, have gone to the finals or won championships or went to the conference finals before last year where he had to attach himself to a guy who had already been to the finals and the conference finals without him. Then you got guys talking about, oh, he showed, he showed James Harden things that he didn't know. Come on, son. What could Chris Paul show James Harden? How to lose in the conference finals? He did that already. <laughs> James Harden should have been MVP two other times before he won MVP. What did Chris Paul show him? Y'all keep holding this man's hands and, and, and 
you know, putting him on a pedestal that is so mind-boggling to me. It's so confusing. I don't understand. To me, Chris Paul is bizarro Kobe Bryant. Because people don't like him. Rajon Rondo, you know, after the whole situation, made a comment, and I'll read it for you. He says, everyone wants to believe Chris Paul is a good guy. They don't know how horrible of a teammate he is and how he treats people. Look at what he did last year when he was in L.A. trying to get to the Clippers locker room. They don't want to believe he's capable of taunting and igniting an incident. And by all means, if some little dude with a light season because his hairline is receding comes in front of me and flexes on me like what you about to do, you fit, you have incited me to want to get crazy with you. Now, again, you never spit on another man. Let's be clear, because I hear y'all right now, oh, he shouldn't have spit on him anyway, so disrespectful. But again, history has been documented that Chris Paul and Rondo have had beef for years. If a dude tries to sun me on national TV and I have mental issues, I'm a bit of a sociopath, I'm likely to spit on this guy. Like, y'all got to stop thinking about what y'all would do. Stop putting yourselves in these situations and think about the large scope. Rajon Rondo is a sociopath. It's documented. A little spit on Chris Paul don't mean nothing to him. He doesn't value him as a person. That's what sociopaths do. But let's get back to Chris Paul. Big Baby Davis, granted, he's not maybe the best source, but he co-signed Rondo with the fact that Chris Paul's not a good teammate. A lot of the disintegration of the Clippers is because Chris Paul is a jerk. You can see with his body language and the things that he does. He's an asshole. But you know what? I say he's bizarro Kobe Bryant because Kobe was a jerk. Kobe was an asshole. But guess what? Kobe won five. <laughs> and there's going to be people like Just who is hearing this and he's going to roll his eyes. He's going to scoff at it. But the fact remains is you can't be, oh, this scrappy, this hardworking point guard with nothing to show. You go into this job interview and you ask for a resume and you put the resume on the table and the paper is blank. What do you have? Scrappy, hard nose, don't win, turns people off, rubs people the wrong way. We saw it in the playoffs just last year. Him and James Harden got into it on the bench. Now, teammates argue all the time, but you don't think that they're where there's smoke, there's fire? Facts. James Harden rarely shows any kind of emotion. And he could not deal with this little dude and his light Caesar. Just shave it off. Let it go. You and LeBron got it, which I have in a race to see who's going to go ball first. Just cut it off. We respect you. We understand. I already said, the minute my hairline leaves, I'm out of there. It's gone. Stephen A. out here, he another. Uh, see, I'm, see, I'm ranting. I'm going off track. But what I'm trying to say is, he has a grating personality. I've been seeing this since Wake Forest. His whole demeanor. Talking about people who are stat chasers. What's the difference between Chris Paul, LeBron, and Westbrook? They're just more efficient, but he's ball dominant. He creates for everyone, but at the same time, it makes his stats look good. And then you're going to have guys 
Hooked over the advanced numbers. Oh, he is PR. Is this? Is that? The advanced numbers is wins above replacements. What about wins above placing rings on your finger? Huh? What? What is that accounted to? When you had some of the most popular teams, arguably the most popular team in the NBA with the Clippers, you didn't get anything done. You folded. You got beat in the first round by Memphis one year. You choked against OKC another year. Come on now. And then, but then guys would say, oh, but he hit the game winning shot against the Spurs, only to fold up the very next round. And then when he's not folding up, he's getting hurt in crucial situations in the postseason. These things are all documented. And when he's not getting when he's not getting hurt, he's blowing 3-1 leads to the Houston Rockets. Oh, wait a minute, true, because true's in the studio. He blew the lead to James Harden. But then people say that he taught James Harden something. What did he teach him? I'm just poking holes in these arguments, man. Bizarro Kobe Bryant. These guys are literally the same person. But for some reason, one guy does it and equates to championships. The other guy does it and gets beat in the second round. Or, or, well, yeah, beat in the second round in the first round and finally made it to the conference finals after playing 100 years in the league and, and gave up a hamstring. Oh, guess what? He got hurt in the conference finals when he finally made it there, right? Bizarro Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I need to stop putting him on this pedestal because I will never stop talking about him because someone has to tell the truth. His bare resume, he's not playing in June. It's not happening. He's not getting there. Forget about it. He's not truly a winner. He's a guy with good stats who can get you. He can't even get you to the door. You know, you go to the club and, you know, you got your man. You say, oh, I'm, I'm here with Chris and you get to VIP. All his name is good for is maybe a free drink or two. Oh, what up, Chris? Hey, oh, yeah, it's my man. He get you a little, 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 little henny or whatever, whatever. That's what he's good for. He can't even get you an NBA VIP. Oh, but he's the president of the Players Union. He's also the president of an also-ran union because he's going to be no different from Reggie Miller, no different from Patrick Ewing, no different from Charles Barkley, and the list goes on, Carl Malone, of guys who are high-end NBA legends, who were co-stars in some other superstars era. Again, the fact remains is before KD, when Golden State got good, they beat the Clippers and Chris Paul like 13 or 14 straight. They couldn't beat him. But this is the point, God. Huh? Some of Steph Curry's greatest highlights came on Chris Paul. But then you guys, oh, but he shimmied on him in the conference finals last year. But he, but, but Steph made him fall. Steph literally dribbled a circle around him and took one of the worst shots that went in during his MVP season. Before KD, Steph won 73 games unanimous before KD. There was a few times when I would watch TNT games and the Clippers would be up 20 and I would turn the channel because I knew they were going to lose anyway. Chris Paul ain't doing nothing but losing when it matters. Bizarro, Kobe Bryant. And now let's shift sports. The New York football giants, a novelty team that I love a lot. I've been arguing with Giants fans since I would say April, before April, maybe top of the year. We, we knew we were going to draft high. I think we had the second pick in the draft. And this has been tough for me. Like, the team that I cheer for, football is once a week. It's not like baseball and basketball where they'll play every other day or play every day where if a loss happens, you could get over it the next day. If your team loses on Sunday or Monday or Thursday, you got to wait a week to 10 days to see them play again to get over that. They have the second pick in the draft. There's abundance of quarterbacks to choose from. 
they take our running back. Ever since then, I've had Giants fans trying to qualify the Saquon Barkley pick, right? First things first. I'm not saying that Saquon Barkley is not good or transcendent player. My issue here with Saquon is that the Giants should have taken a quarterback. I don't even have an issue with Let me be clear. It's not about Saquon at all. He's great. But in the NFL, a position where if you breathe on him, you get a 15-yard penalty. It is the most valued position, arguably, in sports. And you took a running back, the most disposable position in the NFL? Again, that sounds horrible, but it's the most disposable position in the NFL. Fact. That's inarguable. A good running back, with the exception of Marshawn Lynch, has not mattered to a, a Super Bowl champion in about 15 years. It doesn't matter if you have a good running back. It's about the quarterback. And what makes it even worse is that the Jets traded up to get Sam Darnold, the pick right after Barkley. And Sam Darnold walking in the door is a serviceable quarterback. Serviceable. And it's only going to get better. He has everything we need Eli. He basically, he can replicate, he can replicate everything Eli's doing right now, which is not much and move his feet and get out of the pocket, which is things that we need Eli to do and be a playmaker, which is a thing we need Eli to do right now. But we took a running back. And people will say, oh, he was the best player in the draft. Yeah, Barkley was the best player in the draft. He is a, a generational talent. He he is a phenom. But we already have a phenom in Odell Beckham. To me, the wide receiver quarterback connection, especially when you have a guy like Odell, means more than any running back. And then the thing is they rationalize and say, well, we can still get a quarterback, and then we'll have Barkley, Odell, and the quarterback. But since when did quarterbacks grow on trees? If that was the case, all 30-plus NFL teams would have quarterbacks. Only about 10 of them have a quarterback worth anything. So why are you trying to rationalize taking a running back when you could have traded up and got Baker Mayfield, you could have took Darnold, or you could have traded back and got Rosen and got more picks to build your decrepit roster, but you took a running back, and then you gave him $31 million of guaranteed money. And then the thing is, if you give a running back $31 million of guaranteed bread, because you know the NFL economy is tricky. When his contract is up after those four or five years or whatever it might be, if he lives up or exceeds the body of that contract, he's going to want more bread. And what have we seen in the NFL if you follow the sport and you have people out here talking about, oh, I'm going to pull your football card, y'all, da, 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 da. Yeah. But when a good running back wants to get paid, you know what happens, y'all? Nine times out of ten, he doesn't get paid. So which means that you're going to get Barkley for, what, five years? Because the position is disposable. And then when he decides that he wants... Let's say 62 mil. Let's say he wants double what he got the first time, you know, or he wants like 45 or 50 million guaranteed because he got 31 walking in the door and I smoked that 31 and you don't want to pay him. That means that the pick is all for not because you only, you only drafted him to have him for four to five years and then you decide you don't want to pay him. Why? Because in that time you would have gotten a quarterback, right? And then you start doing the math. The quarterback has to get paid. And if I give Saquon this money, the quarterback that y'all say we're going to somehow draft has to get paid. The GM or the ownership group is going to decide that if you're going to give quarterback A 90 to $100 million or whatever the guaranteed money would be by then, we can't pay the running back. 
So all this arguing you guys are doing about Saquon was the right pick, essentially the Giants hustled backwards because if you gave Odell $61 million of guaranteed money, your future quarterback is going to have to get paid. There's no way they're going to pay a running back. Facts. That's basic shit. I'm not even like trying to like make my point. Y'all all follow the same sport as me. The NFL is all about robbing Peter to pay Paul. Peter is more often than not the running back. Paul is the quarterback. Or the defensive end, or the linebacker, or the safety, or the cornerback who's going to have to get paid. There are premium positions in the NFL. Those premium positions are pass rusher, maybe free or strong safety, depending on your scheme, cornerback, middle linebacker, wide receiver, quarterback. It's not running back. Look at Le'Veon Bell is a perfect example of why you should not draft Barkley. Because as good as Le'Veon Bell is, Le'Veon Bell has been in the league about five years. Essentially, well, I basically got to lay out the whole Saquon scenario for you by way of Le'Veon right now. Five years. He exceeded the contract. Got franchise hacked twice. And on the second time, we decided I'm just not going to show up because y'all guys need to pay me. And it's not even about, well, the franchise tag is like $15 million or something like that. That's cool. But that's $15 million for one year. I played under my market value for four years previously, and I want financial security going forward. NFL looks at the running back position as disposable, so why would we give a disposable position financial security? Like, y'all need to keep up here. All of y'all delusional highlight-watching fanboys that see that the flashiness of Saquon and not thinking about five years when it's a possibility that we still don't have a quarterback, we've wasted Odell's prime, and Saquon's going to walk out the door because the Giants will not want to pay him what he wants. Facts. Like, what are we doing here, guys? And then to Eli Manning, I'm talking to guys in group chats and on message boards who are telling me that Eli Manning is not done. Come on, son. First of all, first, 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 first of yes. all. Bruh, he been finished for two years. And I had to face that harsh reality. My pops was telling me Eli was cooked and I kept defending him. Defending Eli But I've been saying it And people can verify Going back to Carsetch's era And even a year ago I said Eli Manning has cinder blocks for feet He cannot move I also said like a month ago Eli Manning is punch drunk He don't want to get hit anymore All of a sudden Stephen A. Smith Said the same thing I said And that's the second time He done stole something that I said. And you know what, Stephen A., if if you like what I'm talking about so much, if you need an apprentice, you know, you want to show someone the ropes, you got the next goat right here. You obviously taking my shit. (laughs) You know, know, and and I got the clips. But anyway, Eli, punch drunk. He doesn't want to get hit anymore. And you know what? I don't blame him. People saying that, oh, Eli's not done, and they're defending him, and it's like they're thinking I'm slandering him. No, I love Eli. Eli's brought me two of my favorite moments as a sports fan. Those two giant championships are amazing. I still think about the first championship when, you know, we got there. First of all, how the hell we got there is it's still beyond me to this day. But I remember when he was about to get sacked. I was in my bedroom, guys. I saw the first of all, you almost threw the, the interception to Asante Samuel. Then he almost killed me with that one. And then he, he almost killed me with the sack. I walked out of my bedroom thinking the play was done. And when I walked back in the room full of rage, David Tyree had the ball next to his helmet. Amazing stuff. The second championship, people saying he was a crumb, and he proved to the world he was elite for his second ring, beating Tom Brady twice. But it's like 
you have a bad O-line. Again, let's talk about the Giants hustling backers beyond a Saquon pick. You have a bad offensive line. You have a quarterback who is 6'5 and slow. Cinder blocks for feet, which means that he can't get out the pocket, right? Which means that what is he going to do? He's going to take the sack each and every time. So when I told y'all over the summer, oh, we got Saquon Barkley. Odell's coming back. Evan Ingram. We have all this talent. And I said to y'all, all this talent will mean anything if we can't protect the quarterback to get the ball out. I said this. I didn't want to hear it. I'm not saying that the new quarterback would have been like the, the fix-all, right? But this, I watch film, guys. I don't watch highlights like y'all. I don't watch ESPN and Fox Sports and NFL Network. I go out there and I find film. Pro Football Focus or sports nerds on YouTube who dissect their own film. It's there. Do your research. Do your Googles. It's plenty of times that Eli Manning has great protection and he's so afraid of the rush that he throws to the check down and then you'll say oh Saquon Barkley is doing so well but yeah he's doing so well because Eli doesn't want to throw the ball down so he throws to 26 he's afraid of the rush there was one time I forgot to go as a Saints game where he literally flinched and no one was there he flinched for a hit that he thought was coming this guy is a boxer who's been hit too much and at this point, he's doing it for the check. He'll take the big fight and he'll bore you to death for 12 rounds because he'll never want to let his hands go afraid of the shot that's, that, that may or may, ever, may not ever come. That's Eli. Sometimes the pocket isn't clean and you got to have a quarterback who could get out the pocket and escape the rush and create an opportunity. Eli's falling down. There's videos out there that show situations where there's pass for Eli to run and he can't run because he just can't run. Killer can bars. It's like, why don't you want a young guy? And and in this draft, which is why I keep lamenting it, you had two guys at the top of the draft with great feet. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold can get out of the pocket. Not necessarily run. They could if they need to, but they could get out of the pocket. And you have dynamic playmakers who can make plays off of broken plays. But but the, the play... If the quarterback is not getting out the pocket to extend plays, what's the point? Then the media is killing Odell who pointing out the obvious that Eli is sorry. Eli's not going to retire because, you know, he has the ego of the athlete. Eli needs to be put down. The Giants need to move on from him. They got rid of McAdoo, and I killed McAdoo. But the ironic thing is, McAdoo was right. He was right. Eli's done. He's cooked. All y'all talking about Davis Webb. They benched Eli for Geno Smith. They didn't even want to put Webb on the field. Then the new coach came in and cut him. Webb was sorry. If he was any good, any coach with a brain between his ears would have kept him. If Webb was worth playing when Eli got benched, they wouldn't have put the game in the hands of Geno Smith, a player they had no intentions of keeping. Let the Webb dream go. And they are talking about Lauletta. Maybe he's good. We'll never, we don't know. We'll find out soon enough, right? But you wouldn't have to have any wonders if you've drafted the player at the most premium position in all of sports, quarterback. Then people will say, oh, the Eagles won with their system. It didn't matter who was the quarterback. 
you guys will argue an outlier to make your point. For every eagle situation, there's a Brady, there's a Peyton Manning, there's a Drew Brees, there's an Aaron Rodgers. The list goes on of world champions. For every Russell Wilson, there's the same guys I just named. Put, put Eli Manning in there previously. The most expensive position, the most valuable position, the position that changes the way teams look at the opponents is quarterback, not running back. The Giants, if the Giants had anybody else playing quarterback right now with two good, usable feet, or let's say legs, they win about three games. They'd be three and three or, or three and four somewhere in that vicinity right now. Don't tell me about Saquon Barkley. He's great. But it's not about that position. The running back position, again, is the most disposable position in the NFL. For the same people that talk about the Eagles won with any quarterback, they can't even tell you who the running backs were for the Eagles last year. Why? Because it didn't matter. If you have a good enough quarterback to open up the secondary in the way that the front approaches you because they have to respect your ability to create with your arm, it's going to open up running lanes for any serviceable back in the NFL. You won't need a Saquon Barkley. I'm educating y'all right now. All of y'all here holding this pick down and acting like a quarterback is just going to fall from the sky and they're talking about Herbert from Oregon. Have you seen Herbert play? He's all right. But he's not real. Herbert don't look much better than Webb did in college. All y'all delusional fanboys. Saquon was the wrong pick. The Jets have Darnold. Darnold's going to continue to progress and get better. All of you foolios talking about, oh, none of these rookie quarterbacks are doing anything. Yeah, they're not like... They're not world beaters, but they don't, there's not many rookie quarterbacks who walk in the door and are world beaters. But they have a glimpse. They're showing you glimmers of hope. Bacon Mayfield has transformed Cleveland. Sam Darnold has had the Jets. The Jets are like a 3-4, and 3-5 and five team right now, but mostly because Darnold keeps them in games and has won games for them already. But we have Saquon Barkley, and we have one win to show for it. Need I say more? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the gray area, chapter 34. As the saying goes. Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect.